Quest Podcast, Fund's Industry Conversations. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the Quest Podcast with me, Danny Lawler. If you're new to the Quest Podcast, do make sure to hit the subscribe button and also like and share the pod where you can. Well, crypto assets, cryptocurrencies, digital assets are all very topical. We know in the last couple of weeks we've had a blog post by the governor of the Central Bank of Ireland all about cryptocurrencies and the likely formation of an e-euro at some stage in the future. We also recently had questions and answers issued by the Central Bank on USITs and AFE investments in cryptocurrencies. So for this episode of the podcast, I thought we'd delve into the darker side of cryptocurrencies and initial coin offerings. I'm delighted to be joined by Erica Stanford, who's recently written a book called Crypto Wars, Faked Debts, Missing Billions and Industry Disruption. So as you can guess, the topic for this podcast is crypto scams. We chat about the anatomy of a crypto scam, so some of the common features that you tend to see across these scams. We have a look at some case studies, so some of the uh, scams that Erica has recorded in the book. We talk about how you might identify one of these if they, they came across your desk. And then we wrap up by talking about whether Erica's experience being immersed in the world of crypto scams while writing the book has uh, dampened her enthusiasm for the crypto world. So with that in mind, sit back, relax, and enjoy. We begin our discussion by chatting about, of all things, the author Roald Dahl. The Equest Podcast, Funds Industry Conversations. Hi, Erica. Delighted to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me here. Good to see you. Well, listen, when we did our prep a couple of weeks ago, I, said, I was reading the book, but that it was competing with Roald Dahl for my attention because I, I do bedtime stories with the kids. And I have to say, as I went through Crypto Wars, I wasn't sure which was more believable, some of the stuff there or some of the stuff in Roald Dahl, because it's <laughs> pretty fantastic. I, I, I'm going to take that as a compliment. I don't think I've ever had the book compared to Roald Dahl before, but Roald Dahl was my absolute favourite as a kid. I was totally and utterly hooked to some of those stories and you've made me want to go back and read the entire Roald Dahl book collection so I'll I'll take that as a compliment (laughs) you won't be disappointed I think if I ended up on Desert Island Discs and they asked me about my author I'd be saying Roald Dahl I I don't know why I have never heard anybody say it but I don't know why they don't they should just fess up no do you know it's it's true I mean what what could bring bring greater happiness and I think I mean, I'm going back now, but the one, the giraffe, the Pelly and, and me and all the talks about all the wonderful sweet shops. I think, yeah, some, some very happy memories there, which I'll, I'll go back and relive. And I guess as you did the research for the book, and we, we'll come on to it in a second, um, did, you, did you find, as you found more and more examples of scams in the world, that they, you know, did it astound you? Did you kind of think this could not be, this couldn't be real? There were some. I mean, pretty much every one of them, actually. You, you, you do think that. I mean, there was specifically there was one of them because, you know, most of the scams I only really heard about for the first time 
when I started to, to research for the book and, and you sort of started reading about and, and digging deeper, but there was specifically one of them that I, I remember watching sort of from the sidelines, you know, when it was happening and, and the bit connect scam. And it's one of the most famous scams now in, in, in crypto. And it was a you know, massive Ponzi scheme that, that got about four billion out of people. And I remember watching that one because you know they came on with these claims that they've got this trading bot and this trading algorithms that if you send them money you'll you'll get x percent returns and you know people were getting returns and it was just going up like like crazy i mean the token went from i don't know a few cents up to it was like 460 dollars in a really short space of time so you had people getting really excited and then you saw bitconnect were sending out these vouchers to people who invested for thousands of dollars that they would pay them to fly to these parties in Thailand. And you saw this and you saw all of the hype and then it, you know, it crashed basically to zero in, in no space of time because people had yeah. pretty much found out that it was a Ponzi scheme. And then it started again and they launched another. And I just remember watching this thinking, this is absolutely crazy you know and you can understand how how people sort of get into it the first time and fall for it the first time at the beginning but then for it to to sort of have a round two and and people to still fall for that again i i, I do remember watching that and sort of the ico period and thinking this is crazy but it's true i think the more you read about some of the you know the really crazy stories you do have to wonder you know, did did people get this? Did the sort of the the people behind them, scammers behind them, get so far involved that they believed them themselves almost because they acted so persuasively? Um, but no, it, it was it was just one crazy story after the other, really. Yeah, a BitConnect coin that was the one with the five supercars that were given out to. Yes, yes, wow, big yeah. nice supercars. You can't beat it. Well, uh, let let's start from the beginning, Erica. Uh, before- What's your your background then? How did you come to write Crypto Wars? Well, I mean, how, how I came to write Crypto Wars, I don't know if that was anything to do with my my background. So I I first, how I came to write it, a publisher had reached out to me and asked if I wanted to write it. And I, I think largely because I, I run what's called the Crypto Curry Club. So it's the main crypto community in the UK. And we'd had um, a, an event where I'd, I'd heard the, um, the, the missing crypto queen podcast series so the bbc did this absolutely incredible podcast series um about one of the, the biggest scams which features in the book it's about this this ponzi scheme called one coin and it's it's now thought that they raised about 25 billion dollars in this massive ponzi scheme and the founder's just been on the run for years and sort of wanted and hunted down by the fbi and it's not known as she alive is she dead where is she what's happened is it's, it's still a total and, and slightly incredible mystery um yeah what what really happened to her and then you've got other founders are still are in prison it's being confirmed to be a scam and yet you still got people promoting this scam and still making money off it and still holding events for it and it's, it's just you know one crazy thing after the next but they they did this incredible podcast series which i i was sent and listened to and and reached out to the guy jamie who'd who'd done it just basically sort of sort of fangirl style going this podcast is amazing uh, and and you know fangirl style asked him if he might be willing perhaps to speak at, at one of our events and we, we you know this was before lockdown so we used to do these invite only um 
sort of you know round round table with with lots of food and and, and drinks um sort of networking and, and community events so you know he replied that he'd heard about it and he would love to and you know came and, and spoke at one of our events in a sort of Chatham House rule style so we had a restaurant and he just told us story after story and he told us things that he couldn't really share as easy on a public podcast and you know it was just absolutely incredible afternoon I think we were all just sort of getting hooked and you know high up hearing just these absolutely crazy stories that, that you you know you wouldn't believe were true but then other people from the community and these were people that that are in our crypto club community and and several of whom had been in the crypto space since since you know really really early days so pretty much since since the early days of of bitcoin's and invention and and you know some of them had seen other scams and and you know, tried to either alert authorities or tried to alert law enforcement or tried to warn people or sort of gone public on social media saying that, you know, such and such is a scam and be careful. And and some of them came from that event, came to me with their stories of things that they'd seen. And, you know, these absolutely crazy stories that they'd had death threats, they'd been threatened by organized crime gangs from, you know, different places around the world if if they kept on, you know, being negative about this scam and so forth. So, you know, very, very Areas of them had basically stopped doing anything like that and stopped being vocal about the scams because they, they just thought it wasn't sort of really worth it for their for their life. So you know, just just came forward with these really sort of crazy and slightly slightly scary stories. Um, so that had got me into to researching a bit about the scams and some of these people have brought me into these. Uh, social media groups and chat groups that are, are run by these scams so even today you've got facebook groups and social media groups that are either actively run by scams or run by their communities or run by their investors trying to get into them and and where you've got literally people scamming each other in front of your eyes and you've got people you've got you know some of these are scam cryptocurrencies and you've got people scamming each other out of these scam cryptocurrencies I mean it's just it's just you know absolutely crazy but I was just invited into these groups so I was just sort of sat there in the background in these Facebook and social media groups just you know sort of watching slowly incredulously and, and so when the publisher reached out and asked if I wanted to do this book I was like yeah this is a pretty interesting um pretty interesting subject yeah but so how I got into the the crypto space I'd I'd heard about crypto through a friend who thought I'd be interested and should start looking looking into it a little bit but I'd lived in you know I think with with many people you know especially in the early days the use cases of crypto in somewhere like you know London well where I was based probably weren't endless but I, I'd lived in Buenos Aires during the economic crash and, you know, seen sort of the effects of people protesting on the streets and banging pots and pans because they'd suddenly lost all their money and, you know, not going anywhere near banks and storing, you know, cash in, in physical safes in their houses because that was seen as being safer than banks and travelled a lot around South America and and Central America. I used to go there in, in my summer holidays as a student and sort of during university summer holidays and 
been mugged enough times to have to to rely on Western Union for a while and you know where you're waiting three days for your money to arrive and you have to call people you know kind people in my case my lovely dad in England to send you money and it costs 14% each time so I'd, I'd you know really sort of seen what happens in in places or for people for whom the traditional banking system doesn't work so as soon as I saw about crypto I was like well this you know solves a lot of problems and would make a lot of things in life much easier. Absolutely. And so uh, so you, you got interested in crypto and, and, um, and, and led, your, led your way down to, to being asked to write crypto wars. How would you describe crypto wars? The subtitle is fake debts, missing billions and industry disruption. And, and often the subtitles kind of overstate what's in the book, but this one doesn't. <laughs> no, they were literal fake, well, supposed, presumed fake deaths still not proven um how would i describe crypto wars do, do you know that the, the, they asked me to write a book about the, the biggest hacks and scams in crypto and it, it, it is that in, in short it's every chapter is a different sort of story of a crazy hack or a crazy scam or a massive multi-billion dollar ponzi scheme or just you know some of them are, are, are looking into some of the the slightly crazier times in the crypto space when you had this massive ICO bubble and this massive boom and you know people who are creating these digital currencies just you know left right and center and just you know some of them were making crazy amounts of money just you know printing money out of thin air and and you know for people were losing money and it was just absolutely crazy time so in 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 short it's a story of some of the sort of the crazier and darker stories of of the crypto space i think what what i hope it is is giving an overview of, of some of the, the sort of the crazier um, sides of, of the crypto space and, and filling in, you know, some of the things that happened and, but also looking into how some of the scams got so big, how they're still scamming people today, how, you know, how, how they've managed to trick so many people, how they're still going on, how people are still falling for them, how they managed to sort of trick so many people into to sort of spending and still continuing to, to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on them so it's it's a look at the you know the marketing tricks they used the persuasion they used the tactics they used and also just sort of the the, the whole sort of peak and bubble of the market and how that got so big so you know i hope it does explain some of that how it all got so crazy and and really why people still fall for them because you know the scams are really good um yeah. you know and I, I don't mean that sort of necessarily in a trying to be praising way but in in a way that you know they're very um very effective they've got a lot of money to spend on marketing they're very persuasive and and they're really really good at, at conning people out of their money so you know just how the space got so big and so crazy and so wild and, and looking at that but then also it's you know, looking into at the end, just some of the, the plus sides of, of crypto and some of the actual cool use cases. And, you know, it's it's not an antique crypto book at all. But what I hope it does do, because you know, there's so many books about crypto and they're, you know, the ones I've seen are largely so difficult to read and so complicated. And, and I hope that this is easy reading. It's fun reading. It gives us like overview of the space um, that, that people can understand more about what they're getting into. But then also I do hope that if people do read it and get to see more about the scams and how they work and how some of the the, the bigger sort of bad projects work that they might be more aware of some of the tricks used and therefore less likely to fall for them yeah as you said these are sophisticated in, in a lot of instances they're they're you know 
they're well put together for what they are, and obviously an end. So as you look across the various scams, what would you say are the, you know, what's the anatomy of a, a crypto scam? Because there are common features that you see across the various scams that have been run. There are some common features, and you know, in, in some ways, if you look at the different scams, there's so, you know, there the many of them are, are totally unique, and you know, each have different prod, prod, prod sort of offerings, product offerings, but. You know, there, there are some common features and you know if one key sort of thing or aspect to bear in in mind it with crypto it's not like you know with with fiat currency with fiat currency for example if you get your bank account hacked and somebody makes a payment that wasn't actually you you can call your bank and um you know go hi really sorry I was hacked you know there's this transaction which wasn't me and they'll do a bit of an investigation and you know if, if they find out in fact that it wasn't you you'll get your money back and and all is 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 fine and, and that just doesn't happen in in crypto so with with crypto if you send a crypto transaction or if you send a bitcoin transaction you've sent that transaction there's nobody that you can call and go well sorry I didn't mean to send this transaction or sorry I sent this transaction to the wrong address or you know, sorry, I was tricked into sending this this transaction and I didn't mean for the scammer to get my money. And you can't do that. Once you've sent your Bitcoin, once you've sent your crypto, that's it. It's in the scammer's hands. And, you know, there's a saying in crypto, be, I mean, the, the gist is if, if you've got the access to that cryptocurrency, if you've been sent it or you're storing it and you've got the sort of the, the keys and the ability to access that crypto, you're the one that's got the power, you're, you're in control. So the, the overwhelming trick with the, the crypto scams is scammers using all sorts of means and persuasive techniques to get people to, to part with their crypto, to send them their Bitcoin, because once they've got it, they've got it and they can basically do what they want. You know, there are now, you know, freezing orders and so forth that can be put in place through law enforcement, but that's a, a, a lengthy process but in in general that that didn't really happen especially in the last few years when the scams were at their you know in, in many ways at their peak so you've got all of these scams basically using different persuasive techniques to get people to send them their bitcoin so it would be all of these tricks like you know promising well if you send us your bitcoin we've got this amazing trading algorithm so we'll trade it for you and you'll get x percent return back every day or we've got this mining equipment so you don't have to mine your own bitcoin that's all difficult so we'll mine it for you and we'll get we'll get you x percent guaranteed profit back every day or we'll store your bitcoin more safely for you or we'll do this for you more cheaply for you or we've got this new cryptocurrency that's going to you know you'll get double the quantity or double in value or whatever it is so send us your bitcoin and we'll get you this new cryptocurrency that will make you rich quick and that's better than bitcoin so you'll get rich really fast so there's all of these claims that the scams used basically yeah. trying to persuade people to send over their their bitcoin and you know some of them would would have really good looking websites and because they're you know they're scams and they don't really care they'd make all of these claims they'd say well you know we're partnered with so and so or we've got these companies are our customers or we've got so and so on our team or on our advisory board or we can give you a you know visa mastercard or a mark you know whatever it is card to be able to spend your money and you know they made all of these claims and and often would 
give reference to all of these companies that they were supposedly partnering with or, you know, regulated by or going to be listed on or whatever. And, and it was utterly false. But, you know, because they're scams, they didn't really care. They were quite brazen at doing that. Yeah. So, you know, that that's one thing. And then the other sort of main trick just commonly used it is multi-level marketing and, and OneCoin, which was this massive, big sort of $25 billion Ponzi scheme. I think how they got so big was because they were really the first ones to bring multi-level marketing to crypto. And, and for anyone that's familiar with multi-level marketing, it's, it's you know, arguably morally highly dubious. Apparently about 80, 98% of people that get involved in multi-level marketing lose all their money and you know most people end up losing their money and it's it's you know it's it's not safe for majority but for physical tangible products it's it's legal and some people do well and there are legitimate multi-level marketing companies out there but when you bring multi-level marketing to crypto and where you know with with the multi-level marketing they basically got these sort of pyramid structures of, of commission schemes where they were paying out really really high commissions to people for bringing somebody new in and they weren't bringing somebody new in to buy a product or buy vitamins or whatever is traditional with multi-level marketing but rather to buy in these packages of cryptocurrency so you're basically you're bringing people in and then getting a paid a commission when they buy in and they're buying these packages of what they think are these packages of coins that are just going to double in quantity or double in value or whatever it is so it was this sort of perpetuating cycle and because you know like with any successful ponzi scheme to, to trick the first people they they initially pay out so you know the, the first people would get involved and see it and believe it and send their money and then they would get their money back and they would make profit so they really believed that it was true and that it was a good product and then they'd bring their friends and their family and tell everybody they knew about it because they really believed it. and then of course also because they were being incentivized by these high commissions for people that they brought in so you know, I think why, why some of the scams get so big because you've got people not only, you know, people sort of innocently falling for them, but then it's people's friends and families bringing people in or religious leaders or community leaders that had either fallen for them or, or were just being greedy and, and, you know, conned by the high commission payouts. So why they get so big is because it's the scammers have this massive sort of sales force comprising people that, you know, regular people knew. Yeah, and I think it's easy to get lost in the kind of fantasticness of, of the scams and the claims and, and how egregious they were and how, how outrageous they were. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that in, in most of the instances, this is real money lost by real people who couldn't afford probably to lose what they lost, or certainly some of them couldn't, you know, or their maxing parents or houses or putting life savings into it. The next thing you know, what you thought was a genuine really good investment opportunity turns out to be a scam massively it's been it's been a real problem and of course that's exactly what the scammers are doing they're not going after sophisticated investors they're not going after hedge fund managers or you know even sophisticated crypto investors they're going after regular people and after people specifically in vulnerable communities or in you know in areas in some cases where they don't have access to things like you know the internet or computers where they can really do their own research they they know exactly what they're doing and they're, they're targeting the the people that are the most vulnerable and are the most prone to falling for them because they're the least experienced in that space and you say well it might be obvious that it's a scam but you know to a regular person who isn't 
expecting to be scammed and who isn't you know really experienced in the crypto space you can really see why you know sort of normal smart innocent people would would fall for them and be tricked by them and if you could pick i guess one case or one story from the book as a as a short case study for us uh and just talk us through the through what happened uh, which would that be yeah, sure. I mean, I think one of the, you know, the sort of the almost sort of most sort of conclusive stories, there was one, it was called Bit Club Network that sort of preyed on to, to everything. And it was, it was all, all the classic Ponzi scheme. And they, they, they sold Bitcoin mining. So for anybody new to the crypto space, Bitcoins are produced by, by mining and you know, it's, it's slightly more complicated, but it basically uses computing energy to solve algorithms. And if you, if you sort of solve the algorithm first, you, you win a batch of, of Bitcoins. That's a highly simplified explanation, but you used to be able to mine Bitcoins from your own computer. But you know, that was when before Bitcoin had gone up in value, so that didn't really make much money. But now Bitcoin mining is, is really, really energy intensive and, and it needs sort of whole factories and warehouses of, of really powerful computing equipment using loads and loads and loads of energy all directed to this. And, you know, it can be quite lucrative for those factories, but it can't be done by sort of regular people and, and it uses vast amounts of energy but because of, of the volatility of, of bitcoin there was this one project um bit club network that promoted to, to people that well you know you can get into this bitcoin mining too so you don't have to worry about the volatility of crypto you don't have to worry about investing in crypto and doing it all yourself all you need to do is, is send us your Bitcoin and we'll mine Bitcoin for you. We'll buy mining equipment and we'll do it all for you. And then we'll send you the profits. So they, you know, they, they used every trick in the book. They, they got really, really good salespeople. They had really good marketing. They went around, traveled around the world and, and hosted all of these sort of conferences and events in, in really luxury hotels all around the world where they spoke to people to show how it worked. So people felt really comfortable and they showed these videos of this mining equipment that they had and you know to get people to invest and you know in the end they raised 722 million dollars by persuading people that they've got this mining equipment and if you just send them your money that they'll mine bitcoin for you and that you'll get the profits and you know and so on and the, the whole thing was a total ponzi scheme from the start and, and they're now starting to arrest people for it but you know only really started to unravel when people sort of from behind the scam started to leave and started to talk about it you know maybe because they'd been you know involved before they knew it was a scam or you know in the end they felt bad or whatever it was and, and then the, even the owner of the mining equipment which was a real genuine bitcoin mining factory basically came forward and said hey this is this is our equipment and we've never had a partnership with them are you making it clear that their claims of owning that equipment were were just fallacy. So, you know, it, it, it's in a way, it's a perfect scam because it really appeals to people's desire to, to get rich, to make money without having really to do anything. But they used all of the tactics. They used in-person luxury events. They used good salespeople. They used good sales platforms. They used marketing. They used Instagram. They, they, they you know, they used everything to get people to meet with their salespeople and to make it look like this really real thing. And yet it was still a scam. Yeah, yeah. And I guess as I read through the book, Erica, um, not so much as an investor, I guess, but more, you know, uh, as an advisor. So it's very 
common for, for people to reach out and, and uh, you know, be interested in getting some guidance through an authorization process or whatever it is where there, there, there's some um, project that involves a crypto element to it. And I said, as I read through the book, I was thinking, gosh, well, I don't want to be involved with people who are up to no good. And what can I learn from the book that would kind of help me identify flags uh, for from coming from projects that might make me think, you know, this is something that, that isn't maybe what it, it's, it says it's going to be. But what kind of flags would either an investor or somebody who's a, an, a potentially an advisor to these types of firms, what kind of things would they look out for? You know, and, and again, it's, it's a slightly hard question because of everything that you think, well, you'd say this is a flag, well, the scams are clever and they're getting really, really clever. So they, they do whatever they can to copy real projects and to sort of copy marketing techniques used by real projects. So, you know, for everything that you say this is a flag, somebody can come forward with an argument and say, well, this is, you know, this is a good thing and this is what all these good projects use as well. So the scams know that and then they use that to their advantage. But in, in general, there are some flags. So I, I would say with, with the multi-level marketing, any crypto, I, I think this is true for Forex projects and such investment projects also, any project that uses multi-level marketing to promote something to, to get rich quick, like, you know, buy these crypto coins or, you know, buy into our, our trading algorithm or we'll, we'll mine Bitcoin for you or whatever it is. Anything that uses multi-level marketing for that. And by multi-level marketing, I say where there's commissions paid out to people for bringing other people in, I, I would see that as a massive red flag and, and, and pretty much run away as fast as, as possible. Because, you know, if it's such a good investment project, they shouldn't need to pay such high commissions to get people to come in. You know, if you look at sort of really good hedge funds, for example, they're not paying out a pyramid structure of commission payouts for every person that you bring in and that they bring in and so forth. Because if it's a really good thing, it should sell itself. So, and, and also, you know, multi-level marketing isn't legal when there's such a, when that, you know, you're not selling a, a product. So it, it, it is hypothetically possible, maybe that there is one day going to be a crypto project that uses multi-level marketing that is legal i haven't seen one yet so if there are high commissions paid out to get you to invest your money i'd be very 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 careful because then you do have to wonder why is this person so eager for me to invest or to send my bitcoin is it just because they're being paid this high commission if i do so so I, i'd be very very careful for any commission payouts like that and then also you've got projects that make these you know, make these claims like, oh, if you if you invest in this or if you send us your Bitcoin, you'll get a guaranteed return of, you know, whatever it is, X percent a month or X percent a day. And, you know, offering such returns, I mean, it's it's pretty, it's, it's you know, in some cases illegal, but it's also very, very hard to say that. And in, in, again, go back to sort of the best banks and the best funds and the best traders in the world. They can't guarantee returns you know yes they might do well on average but they can't guarantee that they're going to make one percent or whatever it is every single day it's not possible there's no industry in the world has been able to do that you know sometimes you know there's good days sometimes bad days you know on on the whole maybe they do better than worse but you you can't guarantee that so i'd say if there's any sort of guarantees made and especially when they're you know far too good to be true I'd, I'd be very, 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 very careful. You know, often it's it's illegal to say that, but, you know, also be a little bit 
realistic? Is it possible for them to, to be able to guarantee those returns? Um, so an then, element of scepticism. High, I think I'd say a high element of scepticism. Yeah. And, and, Sorry, I was going to say, sometimes you, you will see proposals where the, the fundamentals look sound, but there'll be an element where there's a use of a crypto or the issuance of a, a coin, a token. And you will look at it, the project and you say, well, I don't really see what value add using crypto in this instance does or issuing a coin does. Um, you know, you could do this project perfectly well with fiat currency and it would be a lot more straightforward and all of the systems and you know, are already in place and the risk is less. Um, I'd say that's true for most of the ICO projects. And is it, is it then, we're, like, there's two ways to view it, I think. One is we, we want to do it this way because we believe in decentralization and we believe in, you know, um, having a currency that can't be manipulated by inflation and governments and banks and what have you. Or, or actually it's a way of, uh, because we're issuing something that's not necessarily security, we get to not be subject to securities laws and then aren't subject to, for example, all of the disclosure requirements, but also all the burdens of regulation and the costs that go with that. Uh, I, I think in most cases, it's exactly that. And, and you know, that there are some projects that are, are still working on bringing new cryptocurrencies and, and, and much new in that for, for various reasons, because they're really excited about the space, because they really believe in it. And there are some, you know, phenomenal advancements being made. So I'm not sort of talking about those projects, but I think, you know, specifically when you look at the, the, the cryptocurrencies that came out in the ICO period, and you've still got a few sort of popping up today, although although less, and, and by ICO period, I mean the main sort of ICO bubble, the, the initial coin offering bubble that was largely... 2016 to 2018 and and it was exactly that by launching a new cryptocurrency it gave them a way to make money so you've got these startups that you know had they you know often probably didn't have a very good business idea and you know had they taken their idea to a vc or to a fund or to a bank or even to friends and family they'd have probably been you know laughed all the way home or you know told told nicely that it wasn't a, a very good project to invest in and 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 wouldn't have been able to raise money but because it was this ICO period you had these startups coming up with all sorts of ideas and and raising sometimes crazy amounts of money I mean you saw all sorts of things like you know raising you know making banana chips and these banana chips would be sold on the blockchain and you need a specific currency to be able to buy these banana chips or a specific currency to be able to buy this you know, wine or sandal, whatever it is. And you don't need a specific currency to buy banana chips. And yes, there might be benefits to having banana chips that are traded and traced on, on blockchain so that you can prove they're, you know, organic or whatever it is, but that's a totally separate technology and totally separate argument. But you don't need a specific currency to buy banana chips, you know, just as an example. It's actually much easier to buy banana chips with your credit card or with Apple Pay, or with whatever other payment method. So you're, you're absolutely right, because by creating a new cryptocurrency, that's how they were able to raise money, because they, they would say, well, you know, this new token is going to be better than Bitcoin, and it's going to go up in, in, in value by X and such amount. And of course, it's not legal or possible to say that it's guaranteed going to go up in value by whatever X amount. But, you know, they, they said it and, and people believed it. And, and, and that's how they raised, you know, sometimes crazy amounts of money 
just by issuing this new cryptocurrency. And, you know, of course, now about 98% of them have, have crashed to zero. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so, Eric, as we wrap up the podcast, and you've spent probably a year up to your neck in crypto scams and all of the, the things that can go. Literally, it was, it was entirely of lockdown. <laughs> Do you have any faith left in, in the, you know, in the world of crypto and digital assets and uh, blockchain? Or, or has it all been eroded in, and, and are you jaded after these no, no, not not at all. I mean, I, I came to sort of, you know, for, to writing the book after several years of, of running this sort of crypto community where you meet incredible people doing incredible things and seeing a lot of the amazing stuff that is is, is happening and continuing to happen. So now I have absolute belief in 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 the potential and and some of the the opportunities and and some of the the use cases of, of crypto and you know i see the scams as it's only one you know it's not a small element because you're talking huge amounts of money but i i would see it as only sort of one sort of small side and and you know very unfortunate element of the space and you know i think sort of to go take a step back it's not that there's there are only scams in in crypto you've got scams and and all of these things left right and center at the moment you know especially since lockdown you've got opportunists taking advantage of of every type of space you know be that scam phone calls be that scams text messages email addresses on social media affecting every industry you had that also you know with with all the new technologies it happened in the dot-com bubble we'll see it again you've got more hacks at the moment you've got more cybercrime at the moment so you know it's i think it's fair to say that scams and 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 online crime has has hugely gone up and and also the scams aren't really about crypto they're not actually so much crypto scams as scams that are taking advantage of the excitement that is surrounding the crypto space and taking advantage of the fact that you know lots of people have made money in crypto and lots of people want to get in and this is new digital currency whereby they can make money so if they make all of these promises then people will fall for it and and all of that so it's not really so much that they're crypto scams so much as scams taking advantage of the space so i you know i i think it's it's just unfortunate that they happen and unfortunate that they get so big but i don't think it really says anything about the potential of of crypto and you know really crypto it's you know you've got a lot of people focusing on the trading side and all of that but you've still got huge amounts of, of use cases of how just because it's a digital currency, it can be used in micropayments. It can be sent in international transactions. You've got, you know, all of this wealth of, of potential benefits and, and use cases that come with this space. And I'm, I'm lucky enough from, from the Crypto Curry Club that, you know, almost to be in the center of it where you see what people are doing and the projects that they're working on and how much, you know, good is, is happening in terms of payments, in terms of security, in terms of, you know, charities using crypto in, in all sorts of things. So, no, I, I think it's an incredible space. And I, I, I see the scams as, as just, you know, an unfortunate side aspect of it. But I, I do think, and, you know, I hope that the more people become aware of how the scams work, that hopefully less people will then fall for them. It's suckered in. I think, you know, you would expect as the sector and industry matures that and becomes more subject to regulation and people maybe get a bit savvier about it, that uh, that these scams are harder to execute and, and become uh, less less of a feature. Um, 
but uh, we shall we shall wait and see. Erica, uh, I want to wrap it up there. Firstly, a few plugs. Crypto wars, fake debts, missing billions, and industry disruption is available now. I guess it's available everywhere, Erica. Google it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah, Google it. It's available on Amazon in, in all of the, the good bookstores. It's available directly from the publisher Kogan page, and they're kindly doing a 20% discount. So Crypto Wars 20, if you buy it directly from the publisher, Koganpage.com. So yeah, it's Excellent. it's widely available on Google. Uh, talk to us just for a moment about Crypto Curry Club and how people can sign up because you do an excellent newsletter every week. You do, I think, a monthly uh, a monthly magazine. How do people get involved? Yeah, no, we we do, and we we currently host some virtual events. We did until lockdown, and hopefully we'll resume soon. Host in person events as well for the community. So all of the information is at cryptocurryclub.com. So you can find that online or find us on LinkedIn. Um, or, or Twitter as well. Excellent. And it is a very, very valuable resource if you're interested in any of this area. Last thing, the podcast that Erica mentioned is called The Missing Crypto Queen. Uh, it's a BBC podcast, so you'll get it on BBC Sounds or through Spotify or any of your usual podcast providers. Uh, let me wrap it up there. Erica, thank you so much for your time for the podcast. Really interesting to hear about uh, how you put together the book and and. and the various scams and war stories that you happened upon as you did it. So best of luck with it. And again, thank well, you for your time. Thank you so much for having me on. Let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much, your Quest podcast listeners for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll catch you next time on the Quest podcast. The Quest podcast, funds industry conversations.